all morning long you've had in front of you a, a, a set of images on the screen. And below that is the title of my sermon. It's Living in the Land Between Eden and Nod. And during the worship team practice this morning, one of the people said, what in the world? What is Eden and Nod? And I wanted to, I don't have time this morning because of the limitations of time to go through all of the scriptures that deal with this. So we're just going to do a short little synopsis. First of all, you just heard me talk to the kids about what the Garden of Eden was. The Garden of Eden was the place that God chose to put all of humanity on the earth to have fellowship with them, physically walking amongst them um, on a daily basis. And that was the paradise. That was the place where God met with humanity. But God would not tolerate sin. And as a result of the rebellion of the first humans, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And it says in the, in the first, I mean, in the third chapter of uh, Genesis, if you take the time to go back and read it, you will see that God literally put an angel, a cherubim, with a flaming sword to guard the entrance to Eden so that the, and that, so that the human, humans could not get back in. Why? Because God did not want humans to eat of the fruit of the tree of life and lock themselves in eternally in a sinful state. See, I always, I always thought that it was that God was like, I don't want them in here now because they're bad. But that wasn't it. It was a loving act that God did. God said, I see the sinful state you're in. You're not in right relationship with me and I don't want you to spend eternity that way. And as a result, you're barred from having access to the tree of, of, of life. And so they had to live outside of Eden. They still worshipped God. They still served God. They still loved God. But they didn't have the day-to-day, face-to-face interaction with God as they did in the Garden of Eden. And then if you get into Genesis chapter 4, you see that Adam and Eve have children. Cain and Abel. It says that Cain worked the ground and Abel worked the, 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 the flocks, the sheep and the goats. And, and it ended up that when Cain tried to offer an offering to God, it wasn't acceptable. And it wasn't that Cain offered the wrong kind of offering. It was that his heart was not right before God. And that's evident because when God confronts Cain about his attitude problem, he says, if you do right, you'll be right. You'll have a right relationship with me. But if you want to be angry angry and sullen and mean and nasty, this is how you end up in the state that you're in. And the end result was, as a, instead of Cain changing his heart... He got more sullen, more upset, more angry, jealous of his brother, and ended up striking and killing his brother. Then God confronts Cain for his heinous sin of murder. And he says, you are out, completely out. You can no longer have fellowship with me. I will no longer have relationship with you. You are gone. I will not find anything acceptable about you. And it says in the the last part of chapter 4 of Genesis that Cain went and lived in the land of Nod. The word Nod basically means wandering. He was separated from God. He was no longer righteous. He was no longer in right relationship with God. And he was doomed, if you will, to wander the earth in that darkness, in that aloneness. So if you look at the screen, I have Nod represented on the left side of the screen by a banner or a a, 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 a section that is gray. And there's this sense that it's not completely black, because complete blackness would be no light at all. There was light, 
God was ever wooing, ever drawing Cain back. But he was unwilling to change his heart. And so he was walking around in this dark gray world spiritually. And miserable for the rest of the time he's on the earth as far as I know. I don't think he ever made right with God. Well, as you heard me tell the kids, the book of Romans tells us that every every single human being is in that same state. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are under the penalty of death. This spiritual death. Separation from God. Because of our own selfish and sinfulness. Selfish sinfulness. We are all in effect walking around, wandering in this land of Nod. This semi-dark, very, very tiny little bit of light where God is wooing and drawing. Drawing us to the light of God, if you will. And as long as we would continue in this sinful, selfish, self-centered, I'm going to have my own way, I'm going to do my own thing, nobody's going to tell me what to do, you continue being stuck in this dark, dank, sinful, backbiting world. You remember last week when I was talking in my sermon about whether, wouldn't it be wonderful if every single human being exhibited the fruit of the Spirit was Christ-like in the way they live? What would our world be like? Well, see, now let's, let's think back to that thought. The reality is not every single human being on the face of the earth does exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. There is almost exactly opposite of the fruit of the Spirit being exhibited in most of the human beings. And that's, that's what this idea of Nod is. Living in this dark, spiritually dead, separate from God world where it's all, you know, dog eat dog, me, 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 selfish, 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 I'll do anything I can to get myself up at the top of the heap, even if it means I have to step on you to do it. That's what every single human being lives in. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, from the time of your birth, is wooing and drawing you with their love, saying, come to us. We love you. We we desire relationship with you. And at some point, every single human being, at least one time in their life, is faced with a decision. Am I going to acknowledge my sinfulness before the Almighty? Am I going to confess my sins, to repent of my sins, and to enter into right relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ? And if they do, they leave the land of Nod, and on the graphic you see they come before the cross... And they humble themselves and they kneel down before the cross and they say, I acknowledge that Jesus is the only way for me to get to the Father. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross is the only way for me to get to the Father, to have right relationship. And so I give up who I am. I confess my sins. I confess that I am not a good person. I confess that I have been selfish. And I ask God to forgive me of my sins and to make me right in His eyes. And if, if you want to talk about the theology of this second phase of our walk on this earth, leaving the land of Nod, that very first band, if you will, that very first section of what it means to come into spiritual life is called initial sanctification. That's the theological term. Initial sanctification. What happens when you're initially sanctified? You become a Christian. Your sins are forgiven. You're made a child of God. You're adopted into the family. You're made new. The Bible says we are made new creatures. We're regenerated. We are made as if we had never sinned. We are declared children of God. And from that point on, you are in right relationship with God. But the reality is, if that was the end, 
or the end-all be-all, the moment you made that commitment to Christ, the moment that you became right in God's eyes, you'd be zapped off the face of the earth and you'd go to be with God forever in heaven. But that's not the process. That's not what God does. He leaves us on this earth. So as you're walking in this newness of life, submitted to the, to the sacrifice of Christ, acknowledging God as, the, as the, the Lord of your life or the leader of your life, and you need to, and you continue to walk that way, you begin to recognize that, you know, there's things inside of me that really enjoyed that life back before I was a Christian. There's this draw to sin. There's this desire to do the things that were so fun before. And I liken it, the way I like to describe it, it's like there's a, there's a black dog and a white dog in my backyard. And the enemy of my soul comes up and holds up this bone of temptation and tosses into the yard. And the white dog goes, we don't want that. We don't need sin in our life. And it takes that bone and throws it back over the fence. But sometimes the black dog goes, oh, yes, we do. Oh, we want that bone. We want to chew on that bone because that's a good bone. And there ends up being a fight sometimes. Because sometimes the white dog throws the bone over the fence and sometimes the black dog goes, get away from me. And we end up committing sin. And there's this struggle sometimes. The white dog's going, no, we don't want this bone. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Yes, we do. And we recognize, if you look in Romans chapter 7, Paul described that struggle between the white dog and the black dog as, as this body of death that was on him going, God, who will rescue me from this body of death? Why am I always struggling with this, with these temptations? Why is it always so much a desire? I want to serve Christ. The, to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. But for some reason, I'm always drawn to do the wrong. And, and we, we understand theologically that what's happening there is that you are a relation, you are in right relationship with God. You are initially sanctified, but you need to be entirely sanctified. The term sanctification simply means being set apart for holy purposes. Set apart for God's purposes. And so, this next banner or phase of our walk on this earth, it's we are Christians, but we recognize we need that black dog gone out of the yard. We need the power of God to overcome temptation. We need to have the cleansing of getting that black dog out. And we need to have the power of God that whenever that enemy of our souls tosses that bone of temptation in, we just say, nope, don't want it and toss it right back out again. That's what we want. Well, the Bible teaches us that God the Father, through His own power, will entirely sanctify you. You receive it by faith, just like you receive initial sanctification by faith. It is poured out on you by grace, by the grace of God. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some Christians that will call this entire sanctification, they will call it uh, baptism with the Holy Spirit. They will call it Christian perfection. They will be calling it being filled with the Holy Spirit. But it is indeed a moment in time by faith that you receive this act of God in your life. Where then from that point on, not only are you in right relationship with God, but now you have the very presence of God empowering you and cleansing you to live the life that God wants. Woohoo! Now I go to heaven. Nope. See, at the very end, on the far right of your screen, you see that band of gold with the glory of God shining from above. That's glorification. In that moment, when you take your last breath on this earth, or if God just translates you and removes you from this earth, it is in that moment that you are made glorified. You are perfectly 
formed in Christ. That is being 100% perfect Christ-likeness. That is the perfection of paradise. But the reality is, from the moment that you walk out of Nod and enter into right relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ and confessing your sins and you enter into the relationship by being a child of God and then you recognize you need to have entire sanctification where you're no longer dealing with this constant battle over sin but that you want to walk in strength and power and authority of the Holy Spirit. You want to walk there. But from that moment on until the time that you die, it could be 50 years on this earth. It could be only five. Could be a couple of years. Who knows? That's up to God. But there's this span of time where you are learning to be more and more and more Christ-like. Now, in the colors of the liturgy, the colors of the church, the the color green is for is is for ordinary time, and that's why I chose the color green for this band, because for most of us. This is not a time of incredible, fabulous, glorious God moments. They happen, but they're not every day, and they're not every moment. This time of green, from the time that I have entered into relationship and I have the power of the Holy Spirit guiding me and empowering me and cleansing me, from that point until the time I die, it's usually just life. Riding to work, riding home from work, cooking meals, washing the laundry, Interacting with my neighbors. Trying to rear my children. Trying to live life. But the whole time of trying to live life, I'm doing so as a regenerated, adopted, forgiven, justified believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who has the Holy Spirit of God empowering me and and filling me and cleansing me from all sin so that I can walk in what it looks like to have Christ-likeness. The theology of all of this, it's called progressive sanctification. Where initially, in a moment, in an instant, God, the Holy Spirit, writes me back into right relationship with God. Entire sanctification, God instantly, in a moment by faith, makes me clean and empowers me to live the life that God God wants. And in glorification, in an instant, by the power of God, I am made exactly like Jesus. But for that green band, it's me and God walking together. It's me and God living together. And I want to share with you a couple passages of scripture that talk to me about this green. First of all, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter is found just towards the very end of your Bible. It goes Hebrews, then James, then 1 Peter, then 2 Peter, then 1, 2, and 3 John, then Jude, then Revelation. So if you see Hebrews, it's to the right of Hebrews. If you see Revelation, it's to the left of Revelation. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and following. Peter is writing this to Christians. Some of these Christians are in that initial sanctification band of their walk between Nod and, and Eden. When I say Eden, I'm talking about being back in the presence of God. That's the gold band. Okay, so the the living between the land of Nod, which is the gray band, and Eden, which is the presence of God represented by the gold band, these three areas are living on this earth. The first, the, the people that he's writing to are people who are either initially sanctified, they're Christians, but they are yet to live in entire sanctification with the power of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing of the Holy Spirit, or he's also talking to 
the entirely sanctified Christians, those who have already received their regeneration, baptism, forgiveness, etc., but they've also got the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they're just walking now in this green band. And what he says to them is this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves without fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Listen to what he's saying there. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Every single human being inherited the fall of Adam and Eve. Every single human being is rebellious against God. Even as an infant, as a two-year-old, they don't have to be taught to be rebellious. That's part of human nature because of the fall. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, what is all this saying? This is saying, do you name Jesus as your Savior? Do you understand that the Holy Spirit of God is present with you? And if so, and you have the Holy Spirit of God cleansing you and guiding you and empowering you for service, then if so, this is what's expected of you, O Christian. You are to live a holy life. You are no longer to hold on to the futile ways that you had before you were in right relationship with God. You are no longer to submit and succumb to all of that. You are to walk in holiness and purity and power. That's the calling of all Christians. Period. What does that look like? Some people like to put together lists. Personally, I hate lists. I think you should just live the life listening to God, learning to hear God's voice. Remember what we talked about last week? The bluing. Learning how to discern the voice of God and then walk in that. That's what I believe this green band is. I almost made it blue, but I was like, eh, no, I don't want to. But the reality is, is this time on this earth is learning to be more and more Christ-like, being made in the image of Christ, taking on more and more the attributes of Christ, exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. All how? By the power of the Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth. Now, let's see what unholiness looks like. Deuteronomy, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, and we're going to be at chapter 13. Now, I do not have time this morning to read you all, what is it, 20, no, all 19 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 13. But let me tell you basically what it says. God said through his, uh, through his servant Moses to the people of Israel, if you want to be in right relationship with me, you live the way I tell you to live. And let me tell you something. When you get to the land of promise, where you're living in my presence and feeling my blessings and having all of these things, 
These are some situations that you're going to come across, and I want you to hear clearly what my instructions are to you. And it says at the very first paragraph of chapter 13 of Deuteronomy, if a prophet raises up in your midst, and this prophet prophesies, and things actually start happening, what he is saying, well, that means he's a prophet. And all of a sudden, then he turns to you and he says, let's turn away from this God and start following other gods. Kill him. Burn him. Stone him. Cast him out. Get him out. Do not listen to a word he says. Then it goes down and he says, if your brother or your mother or your daughter or your wife or your best friend who is your soulmate comes and tries to lead you astray, kill them, stone them, burn them, destroy them, get them out of your midst. And then last but not least, it says, if you hear it in one of your cities, which the Lord your God has given you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away all of the inhabitants of the whole city to follow other gods, to stop following the true God. Kill them. Burn them. Stone them. Destroy them. I am the Lord your God and you will follow me. End of discussion. That's what you should do to live a holy life. I'll go to jail if I kill somebody. And if I burn somebody or stone them. But what if it was the last command? Do not allow them to be part of your life. See, God doesn't play. From the very beginning of this sermon, as we were listening to the story about Cain and Abel, what did God say to Cain? If you do right, you will be accepted. Sure, you've messed up. Sure, I didn't accept your offering, but that doesn't mean it's over between you and me. Change your heart. Be the person that you know, that I am calling you to be. Do what you're expected to do. If you do, I'll love you and welcome you into my fold. Now, I'm going to love you no matter what, but we're not having a relationship until you do what I ask of you. And see, we're told in, book of, in the book of Hebrews that God is the same yesterday and today and forever. God doesn't change the way he relates with human beings. From the beginning all the way through to the end, it's the same set of rules. I expect you to love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And I expect you to love your neighbors in the same way. And if you can't do that, then you are not acceptable in my eyes and we will not have right relationship. And then you will go to hell. Not because I want you to go to hell, but because if you do not do what I tell you to do and you do not live the way I ask you to live, we are not allowed to be in right relationship. Those are my rules. And if you can't be in relationship with me, then you have to be out of my presence in the land of Nod. In a place of wandering. And as Jesus said, in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Constant fire that never goes out. So the offer is made to every single human being. You want to be in right relationship with God? I welcome you. And I'll even provide the way for you to be in right relationship with me. And while you're living out this life in that green area, living in the land between Eden and Nod, I will empower you to live in such a way that you will find, that I will, you, I will be pleased by the way you live and you will find blessing as a result. And then when the time comes and you breathe your last, 
You will be welcomed into my presence and I will translate you into the perfect human being that I originally designed you to be. And we will enjoy fellowship forever and forever and forever. But if you're still on this earth, that means you're not there yet. And the question then comes, which of those four bands are you living in? Are you living in Nod, where you're still in a wandering and you're not in right relationship with God? Are you a person who has accepted the fact that you're a sinner and have confessed your sins to God and asked for the cleansing of the blood through the blood of Christ of your sins and you have made right with God and you are now God's child living that way, but you are yet to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and cleansed of that carnal nature? Are you a Christian who has indeed received by faith the gift of grace of the entire sanctification where you not only are sinners saved by grace, but now you are a sinner saved by grace walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and no longer having to struggle with that constant fight over temptation to sin? Are you a Christian who's experienced all of that and you're just now waiting for the day that God calls you home trying to live the best life that you can for God? Walking day by day listening for his voice, reading his word, praying, praying for your friends and neighbors, trying to show the love of Christ to everyone you come in contact with, trying to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Where are you? You know where you're at. You don't have to raise your hand and tell me. If you're living in the gray band, you need to get right with God. If you're still stuck at the foot of the cross and you still struggle on a regular basis with sin, You need to get on your face and say, God, I'm done. I can't live like this. I need your presence. I need your power. I need to be cleansed of this carnal nature. I need to be entirely sanctified. And if you're already walking in all of that, then your goal should be to be every day getting more and more and more like Jesus. Not on your own strength. Through the power of God living through you. However, there are certain requirements that you must do. And like we talked last week, that includes rooting out the sin or the cancer that's trying to, to, to inhabit your life. It means cutting off relationships if necessary. It means walking in holiness and purity to the best of your ability. It means if this is the, the edge of the cliff, set your fence 10 to 15 feet earlier than the edge of the cliff. So there's no chance of you going over the edge and falling into sin. That's what it means to live a life that is pleasing before God, to be holy. Following the tenets that 1 Peter tells us, to be holy as God is holy. It's simple. It's simple. The key is easy. Let go. Let God be in charge. Where are you? Let's pray.